Welcome to Offscript. Tune in every week to hear the stories of and insights from NPs. We're your hosts, Maxine and Danielle, two technologists who are passionate about the future of patient care. Our guest today is Dr. Sitar, a holistic nurse practitioner and founder of Star Health and Wellness. After completing her FNP degree, Dr. Sitar planned to work in primary care to help patients prevent and reverse disease. After realizing she was spending too much time on paperwork and back and forth with insurance companies, Dr. Sitar decided to start her own health consulting practice. In this practice, she helps patients heal using a holistic and evidence-based approach. In our conversation, we discussed Dr. Sitar's advice for aspiring nurse entrepreneurs, her tips for clinicians interested in integrative medicine, and her unique approach to patient care. Thanks so much, Dr. Sitar, for joining us today. Could you please give us your own one-sentence intro? Hello, thank you so much for having me. My name is Sitar Tabodi. I'm a board-certified family nurse practitioner, and I have my own integrative and natural medicine practice, and I do health consulting, and I help people all over the world reverse chronic disease. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. We'd love to start by learning a little bit more about you and your story as a practitioner. So what inspired you to launch Star Health and Wellness? It's kind of a long story, but basically when I graduated from my undergraduate nursing education, I started working in the ICU and it was my absolute dream job. I loved everything that I was doing. I got to go to work every day and save lives. And then I ended up getting food poisoning from the hospital cafeteria and I ended up developing a lot of mystery chronic illness symptoms. I started developing chronic fatigue, dizziness, I would faint, I had fevers, I had rashes all over my body, I had a lot of neurological symptoms, I started losing weight, I developed digestive issues I'd never had before, and at the time I was 22 years old, I was so excited about my new career, I was previously healthy my entire life, and then I ended up getting really, really sick, and when I would go to my doctors, they really couldn't find anything wrong with me, and I thought that I was going absolutely crazy. And eventually it got to the point where I got so sick that I was bed bound. I couldn't work anymore. And a family friend had recommended to me to go see a homeopathic doctor. And I was like very resistant to it at the time because I didn't want to see some stupid hippie. But I was so desperate to get well that I was like, I'll do whatever I can. Like I'm I'm in my 20s. I shouldn't be sick. So then I went to this um, homeopathic doctor and it exposed me to this whole side of medicine that I had never learned in my training. And it talked a lot about nutrition and herbal medicine and all these different healing modalities that I had, I had never heard of. And by that time I had gone to see that homeopathic doctor, I had exhausted all of my measures. I had seen all the specialists. I had tried all the medications. I had tried everything and nothing was working. So I ended up seeing that homeopathic doctor for several months and some symptoms improved and some things didn't. And he ended up finding that I had a, a lot of autoimmune disease. I had Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune thyroid condition. I developed small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or SIBO. I had developed something called POTS or postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, which is a form of autonomic nervous system dysfunction. I had a lot, a lot going on. And, you know, I tried all these things. I was spending so much time researching on things that I could do. I was trying everything I could get my hands on. I was trying Ayurveda, acupuncture, traditional Chinese medicine, functional medicine, herbal medicine. I tried every diet imaginable. I tried keto, vegan, all the things to try and get better. And I still felt not well and I was still on medications and I just wasn't really willing to accept that kind of life for myself and then after six years of being sick in 2018 I came across these books written by Anthony William and the books basically teach you how to heal your 
chronic health symptoms with nutrition and herbal medicine. So I started implementing all of the information I was learning in those books. And then six months later, I was completely off of my medications. And this was like really, really just astounding to me. I was so blown away by my results. And at the time, ironically, in 2018, I went back to school. I wanted to study family medicine. So I'm getting my FMP degree. I'm like also <laughs> during that time healing myself. And I was like, oh my gosh, like when I graduate, I'm going to integrate this healing information, this natural healing information with conventional medicine. And it's going to be like the best of both worlds, right? I am going to save the world. <laughs> and then by the time I was doing my residency, I was spending 10, 15 minutes with each patient. I was seeing 22 patients a day and I was not proud of the work that I was doing. I, I felt so rushed. I felt like I wasn't respecting the patient's time. I felt like I wasn't being thorough enough. And these people were waiting like three, four, five, six months for an appointment. And all I could had time to do was just tell them to like eat better and take this pill and see me in six months and best of luck to you kind of thing. And it was not the kind of care that I really felt proud of. And it was not something I wanted to do as a nurse practitioner, especially having gone through what I went through. I just knew what it was like being on the other side of that. So just like, this is not acceptable to me. So then in 2021, I graduated and I remember just having this complete dilemma on what I wanted to do because I just spent three years getting my education and I didn't want to do what I was trained to do. So then my husband really encouraged me to start my own practice, but it was really intimidating. But fortunately, because of the pandemic, telemedicine became really, really popular. So I was like, okay, I'm going to maybe see like what my options are there. So then I went online and I found this course and it was, I think it was called Private Practice Anywhere. So I took this course and it basically taught you how to start your LLC and do all the logistics of everything and how to start seeing clients. So I started posting on social media and then that's how I ended up getting clients. And, you know, I get referrals from like people that knew me and that have previously worked with me. I started working with their family members themselves, their children, their cousin that lives in Michigan, all the, all the things. So then it just kind of grew from there. So that's kind of what I've been doing ever since. It's such an amazing origin story because it comes from a place of just necessity and then discovery. So like healing yourself and then thinking about how can you apply that to other people and very inspirational that you did all of these things for yourself and then really were called to bring it to other people. Now that you have this thriving practice, what are your goals moving forward for the practice? I think my biggest thing is just to help more people. I think chronic illness is on the rise. I think there's a lot of young people developing chronic illness at a very young age. There's not one person I know that doesn't have acne or stomach issue or PMS or hair loss. Everyone has a symptom at this point in our lives. In our society, we keep brushing these symptoms off as normal and they're not normal. They're common, but they're not normal. Unfortunately, because of this, this rise in chronic disease, a lot of people are going to be getting sicker. And unfortunately, the conventional medicine model is not well equipped to treat these kind of patients and these kinds of symptoms. That's a great distinction between what's common and what's normal. Just because something is common doesn't mean that it's normal and how things are supposed to be. Thinking about the patients that you're seeing today, what do they look like in terms of what are the conditions that they're coming to you for? What are their needs? Yeah, so a lot of autoimmune disease. Um, I mean, there's like, you know, I was 22 when I developed Hashimoto's. Like that was like unheard of. And I think the other thing too is I didn't look like a sick person. I was like very young and healthy looking and I was at a healthy weight and I didn't fit the textbook. Oh, this person has a hypothyroid condition, but I did. So I think a lot of young women or especially women are dealing with a lot of chronic health symptoms. I'm seeing a lot of digestive issues. I'm seeing a lot 
of neurological symptoms, chronic fatigue, headaches, migraines, dizziness, tremors, rocking boat sensations, eye floaters, vertigo, all these things that are really you know, abnormal, but I think they're becoming a lot more common now. And in the traditional healthcare system, how are these patients getting care? And how would you compare that to how they're getting care with a practice like yours? I have a lot of compassion for conventional healthcare providers because really what we're taught is just like how to treat high blood pressure, how to put someone on insulin if they need it. We tell them to get on a Mediterranean diet, some really generic Mediterranean diet if they want to lose weight or something like that. And whenever someone comes in with a really complex issue where like, you know, a 19 year old comes into your office and they have all these neurological symptoms and anxiety and they're losing their hair and they don't have a period, it's just like, where do we begin? And, you know, from a conventional provider, like, you know, from my conventional medicine brain, I would say like, well, maybe we can try putting them on birth control. But then that comes with a host of side effects that can make all their other symptoms worse. And then I'm thinking, okay, well, let me just put them on a migraine medication. But then maybe I can't put someone on an estrogen birth control on a certain medication or it's just such a complicated thing. And I feel like when it comes to the conventional model, our, our toolbox is very limited in a huge sense. So for me, when people come to see me, it's it's very different. I in, I truly modeled the practice in a way that I wish that I had gotten care when I was sick. So my initial consults with my clients is 90 minutes. It's an hour and a half. And I have them fill out a very comprehensive intake form. And I read through that before we even meet. So whenever we meet and, and during our calls, I already know everything about them. They've already told me that. I've, I've looked through all their symptom lists. They've provided me all the information. They've answered all of my questions that I've had. So Truly during that 90 minute consult, I'm just really getting to know them and what their life is like. And then we create their healing protocols. So we, we, do, we do it in a very holistic fashion. So we're doing meal plans, grocery lists, supplement recommendations, lab work if needed, medications if needed. We do, we do all of that together and we really create this holistic healing plan that's individualized for them. It's not some generic thing that I just give every client that I have. Every client that I have has a different protocol. That's amazing in terms of how comprehensive and individualized your care really is that seems like it's probably a ton of work and at the same time you're also building a business and continuing to learn so would love to hear how you balance your time between learning and research patient care business building and then also the administrative work <laughs> that's a great question i currently don't have any employees so i am doing all the work and sometimes it's manageable and sometimes it's not but yeah i joke about it but it's like yeah i'm the, the health consultant, I am the therapist, I am the accountant, I am the chief financial officer, I am the marketing strategist, I am the social media manager, like I do all the things, and it's the worst, but I'm also a little bit like I haven't come to terms with being able to hire someone because I just feel like, you know, in a way this business is like, it's just such a it's just such a passion of mine and it's just such a passion project. It's my brand. So it's not something I felt comfortable like letting other people handle. But yeah, I do spend a lot of time, obviously during the sessions, preparing before and after the session, I'm writing out the protocol. So that easily takes of like, you know, 30 minutes of prep work and then 30 minutes of writing their note. Then I also, my clients have unlimited messaging access to me. So I tell them I check my messages every day. So Basically, in the mornings, while I'm still laying in bed, I go through on my phone, I go on my patient portal, and I answer all my questions that I get from my clients. And then I usually start seeing clients at 7 in the morning. And sometimes I'll have some gaps during the day where I will like maybe create some social media content and post. And then the admin stuff, that will usually maybe happen a few times a week where I'm like tracking my expenses and um, 
I don't know, like tax season is coming up. So now I'm doing a lot of that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's it's a lot of work, but I also really love what I do. And I'm also really happy to not working in the, not to not be working in the conventional medicine model either. Like I would take this job any day over doing that. <laughs> the way to balance wearing that many hats is insane to consider. And it seems like you have figured out a way to do it sustainably. And it's so clear that the love of the work that you do is really the thing that drives, that drives you. Mm -hmm. You have so much experience running the business, educating yourself and other clinicians and helping patients live healthy lives. So we want to ask you some questions in each of these three realms, and we'll start with your business experience. When you started the business, how did it feel to you? Incredibly stressful. I had no idea what I was doing. I, um, it was very, very overwhelming for me. And I, I just would read books and blogs and go online and see, oh, this person's like doing what I want to do. So I go on their website and see what they were doing and try and, you know, see what inspiration I could get from there. So yeah, it was really, really draining and exhausting for me to be quite honest. And then as you got farther into the business, did those feelings evolve? Where would you say your feelings are more at today? Definitely a lot more comfortable. I still I still feel like unsure about certain things. I think the other thing too that I'm sure you guys are probably familiar with was like the licensing thing. So that was a huge thing. It's like I'm licensed in Nevada, but I want to provide care to people all over the world. So then I learned that, you know, okay, I'm not technically using my license when I'm caring for my clients, right? I'm a health consultant or a coach. I'm not their nurse practitioner. So something I have to put in all of my documentation as far as consents and things like that, I have to make sure people know that I am not their primary care provider. I'm not doing their annual exams. I'm not doing their pap smears, obviously, because I'm virtual. Like they need to have their own primary care provider. So like, you know, the legal aspects of it were really confusing for me at the time. There's so many moving pieces that I just wasn't really familiar with. It's absolutely something that we can empathize with on a different level, which is when you're starting something, the emotions that you feel are a combination of deep passion and elation. And also it's hard. And there are so many components that just take work and a level of expertise that really you have to grow. So kudos to you for, for doing all of that. Thank you. How do you approach setting a price for your products and services and how do you decide what to offer for free versus what to charge for? I wish I could charge more, um, to be quite honest, because I think I do see other practitioners doing something similar to what I'm doing and they're charging much more. But I think for kind of like my niche and my clients, a lot of my clients that come to me don't work. They're so sick. They've been on maybe some disability or they've been bed bound for years. I joke about this a lot, but it's kind of not a joke. Truly, when people come to me, I'm kind of like their last resort. They've tried anything and everything before. So they've pretty much exhausted all of their measures and they spent thousands of dollars on functional medicine practitioners. They've tried going to these retreats where they do these like two week detox boot camps for $10,000 and they don't get results. So like, you know, these people are the ones that can't necessarily afford to work with me. So yeah, I try to provide a lot of free content, especially on my social media. I'm always trying to provide best herbs for this or the best foods for that. Or if you're struggling with this symptom, you should look into this. I try to do that. 
And then as far as like my pricing, I try to create packages for my clients. So I do like, I do single sessions, but I also like to do like maybe like a six month package and it comes with, you know, six sessions, unlimited messaging access. So I try to do something a little bit more comprehensive like that. So people can get a little bit more long-term support and generally that with the packages that they're more affordable. I also have a course, it's a POTS course. And then that was really geared towards people who like really want to work with me one-on-one, but couldn't necessarily afford it. So I created this course saying like, okay, this is all the information that I've learned over the years. It's all in this course. And I really hope this helps you. And obviously it's not like going to be the same type of individualized support that you get from me where it has all the the nuances of all their symptoms and things like that. But it's just an abundance of healing information they can use to bring into their lives. It's amazing how thoughtful and intentional you're being around providing something that's accessible and affordable to people that really need the care. So it's wonderful that you found these different ways of splitting up your services to to really be affordable. You talked about this a bit in the beginning, but would love to hear a bit more about how you approach both finding new patients and also how, how they find you. So at the beginning, it was more of like word of mouth, friend of friends and things like that. And then eventually I started posting on social media and then that's where my clients came from. So the more I posted, essentially the more clients I got. And you know, I've been in business for a few years now. So now I just kind of have, I have a lot more consistency. Whereas before it was like one month I didn't do so great. Then the next month I would do amazing. And the next month wasn't so great. So it's a lot of ups and downs. At this point, thankfully, I'm a lot more consistent, which is really helpful. But you know, I did when I first started my business, I had a part-time job too. I needed some kind of income, right? So now I don't do that job anymore. So that's nice. That makes a lot of sense. And that transition from word of mouth to more active inbound given your social media presence um, makes a lot of sense. And we know that your business has grown a decent amount from social media in, in various ways. How did you get comfortable posting on social media? That's a good question. To be quite honest, I hate posting on social media. At the end of the day, it works. With time, it just got a lot more comfortable. Like I used to hate talking to the camera. I used to hate posting pictures and things like that. But now it's just become a lot easier. And I think the more comfortable you get, the less you care about what other people think. (laughs) Cause I think whenever you're starting out, like, you know, before I started my business, like even on my personal social, I never posted on Facebook. I never posted on Instagram. I was just one of those people who like never was on social media. And then when I started my business, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to be on social media. Uh, And now I have to promote myself, which was like even worse. In my experience, people can really know when, when someone's a genuine person on social media. You know, and I'm sure you guys know that when you're scrolling, there's people who, you know, brag a lot and have a lot of things that they like to flash. And there are some people who just seem genuine and down to earth. So that's what I've found to be the most effective. What I've learned, at least from like a marketing strategy is people will want to work with you if they feel like they know you, they like you and they trust you. So I feel like if you can make them feel like, oh my gosh, like Sitar seems like a really nice person. I feel like she'd take really good care of me. Or I feel like she could really help me. She seems smart and really kind. I think that's how people end up wanting to work with me. That definitely resonates with the things that we've seen on your Instagram, especially, and just the idea of being your genuine self and helping people on an issue you care about probably makes it easier over time. You just get the reps in and you don't forget you care about the thing and then and then it feels easier. When you were just starting out, how did you go about developing a following in your earliest days online? You know, what I've learned, at least from a social media standpoint, is you kind of have to create a community. Basically, very early on, I think it was like, I'd started my practice in maybe November. And then in February, I had this post go viral. And it was like this before and after picture of me before when I was really sick. And I listed all these symptoms that I had been diagnosed with. And then 
my after picture was just like saying, no, this, no, that I don't have this anymore. I feel good. I have energy. I have no eczema, blah, blah, blah. And I think that was really touching to people because people saw that and they're like, oh my gosh, like I'm like, I am your before picture. I have all the symptoms you struggled with. And it's just so inspiring to see that you don't have those symptoms anymore. That healing is possible because for them, it's like their doctors just said, that I would have to live with my autoimmune disease forever. My body was attacking itself. There was something wrong with my body and there's nothing I could do about it. And then to see someone recover from it, I think was really, really inspiring for them. Then I think also like having someone with a conventional background, I think is also very helpful for them. Like, okay, this isn't some hippie that's, you know, just, you know, telling me that I'm going to like, if I eat, you know, matcha tea every day, I'm going to get rid of my autoimmune disease or whatever. So yeah, I think that's been really nice for people to see. That's wonderful. Thinking about clinicians that are new to social media, but thinking about developing a following of their own, do you have any tips for how they should go about establishing a presence and getting comfortable with posting and building content that really is of interest to their patients and clients? To be quite honest, for me, I don't necessarily have like a social media strategy. I just post whatever I feel like and just hope that it sticks. At the end of the day, like you'd really do create a community online. Like I have people that have been following me for years and then we connect on the DMs and they eventually become clients or maybe they don't become clients, but showing your day-to-day life can be really, really helpful because I think people are really nosy and they like to know what you're doing in the mornings and what you're eating for dinner and you know what you did over the weekend with your family and things like that. I also think that posting content that's inspirational, I think can be really, really helpful when it comes to dealing with chronic health symptoms. You're in such a vulnerable, hopeless place. And then whenever you see something that like, oh, wow, that's a possibility that I don't have to live with these symptoms forever. I think that really just hits a really special place in the heart. Also, just like having valuable content, like, oh, I didn't know about this thing. I'm going to try that. And also funny content. I love funny content. I don't think I'm a funny person. I wish I was funny. So I'd probably try posting funny stuff. (laughs) That's great advice. And yeah, really, really useful tips for people that are interested in establishing a social media presence. We'd love to move into talking a bit more about patient care and your approach to patient care, especially given some of the ways that you practice are, to your point, different from conventional approaches. Would love to hear your thoughts on how you approach building conviction and treatment recommendations for areas that might be less researched and might seem controversial to some, and how you approach evaluating the efficacy of treatments in the absence of really high quality randomized controlled trials. That's a great question. In my training, everything was is evidence-based, but in actuality, a lot of the things that we do study are not always 100% accurate. Like if you look at the ways that the studies were done, I think also there's a lot of funding <laughs> that goes into research studies. So they're not going to fund research on the healing benefits of ginger. We all know ginger is good for us, but they're not going to put millions of dollars into a study on ginger. They're going to put into pharmaceuticals so that companies can make a lot of money. Having that understanding is really, really important. I also think by the time people come to me, they've tried all the evidence-based stuff, right? They've tried all the pharmaceuticals and those didn't work for them. So they're really, truly willing to try anything. And I think fortunately, there's a huge understanding now, at least in the online health and wellness community, that food is medicine. But there's like, now there's like a million different things that you could try. You could be carnivore, you could be vegan, you could be plant-based, you could be so many different things. There's this like sea of confusion about what's actually helpful and what isn't. One person saying like, oh my God, you need lots of protein. And some person says, oh, you need lots of fat. And some person says, oh, you need to avoid carbs. So it's just so confusing. What my strategy really comes down to is, you know, if you are dealing with the chronic health symptoms, it's usually because your immune system is down. 
generally when we become sick, it's because of two things. It's because of long-term pathogen infections in the body and toxins or poisons. So we're seeing new and emerging research come up all the time linking pathogens to chronic diseases. Harvard came out a few years ago linking the Epstein-Barr virus to multiple sclerosis. That's, that's a pathogen. We've found that Epstein-Barr virus has been linked to Hashimoto's, thyroid disease, Sjogren's, rheumatoid arthritis. This is all evidence. It's just not mainstream, right? This is not something that's going to be put in our medical textbooks, but there is documentation of it. There are correlating research studies about it. Once you have that kind of understanding, that's really, really helpful. The other thing too, is that generally when it comes to chronic illness and autoimmune disease, there's the root causes an inflammatory process in the body. And the only times that we, our body experiences inflammation is with an injury or a pathogen. So if you have not had an injury, then you can probably decipher that's probably a pathogen in your body causing an inflammatory process. So what it really comes down to is supporting the immune system. And the ways that we can do that is with nutrition. All fruits and vegetables have immune boosting properties. All fruits and vegetables have antiviral, antibacterial, antifungal properties. So whenever you're eating a diet that is abundant in those healing foods, and then you remove foods that do feed inflammation in the body, your body's going to be able to recover. And it really comes down to is when you give your body the right tools and place your body in the optimal healing environment, your body will heal itself. You get a cut, your body heals itself. This is just the way our bodies have been designed, right? Which is amazing to think about. But I really do think it really comes down to like making these consistent, intuitive lifestyle changes. You're going to eventually recover and those symptoms will eventually go away. So that really is my approach. And given there are so many recommendations out there in terms of best practices for lifestyle modifications to reverse or reduce the impact of, of illness, how do you recommend patients and clinicians separate signal from noise and figure out what to trust? Nowadays, you can find a study that promotes any type of thing. Like I can literally go on PubMed and find, type in carnivore diet and then like, oh, a case study on how the carnivore diet helped this person reverse diabetes. And then you go to another article and it's like carnivore diets kill seven people, causes type two diabetes and 17 heart attacks in one population. So I think there's, so we just can't always trust the evidence, right? Because you can find anything. And then also, you know, when it comes to nutrition, it's like, I hate those studies where they say, oh, a glass of red wine helps reduce heart disease and these people. But it's like, what stressors are they exposed to? Like, are these people not experiencing death in the family? Are, there's just so many factors that go into health that just saying drinking red wine every day, like that's such a BS claim in my opinion. We really have to look at the person from a holistic perspective. And this is why my sessions take so long because I'm asking my clients so many detailed questions. Like what things are they looking forward to when they get better? What are their stressors in their lives? What childhood illnesses did they have? What is their family history? Did they have mono as a child? Did they have ear infections as a child? Because those all really do contribute to our health as adults. It's just such a multifactorial thing. And this is why like when people come to me, like come at me with, show me the evidence. I'm like, oh, I'll show you the evidence. <laughs> There's evidence for everything and then promoting nothing. So yeah, I think that's really frustrating in a world where there's so much noise. And of course, with the internet, I mean, there's so many people on the internet and while I'm scrolling, there's like people loving the carnivore diet and the keto diet and the vegan diet and plant-based diet. And then, uh, you know, eating only eggs. And like, I know there's this one person that I've seen, like all she does is eat like meat, eggs, and butter. And <laughs> so, I mean, like it, it, it like back, there's, there's so much information out there and I can see whenever someone's really sick and vulnerable that they can just get sucked into this deep overwhelm of just 
so much information. I know that you experienced some of that yourself. You had the benefit of a clinical background to kind of parse through what was true and what was not. And it's still, it took time for you to find the combination of things that, that healed you. What's your process today for learning more about chronic illness reversal and functional slash lifestyle medicine in order to, to help treat your patients? To be quite honest, like even before I got on this call, I was like listening to a podcast. Like I'm always like doing research and reading books and, you know, going on YouTube and just tr- learning so much. So yeah, I'm, I feel like I'm just like a, a constantly a work in progress. And I'm just constantly learning all the time. I think having a basis of clinical competency and this wide array of knowledge then to continue to build on then it makes you very powerful because you can apply the right solution for the right issue so it's great to hear that you're always you're always getting that information now thinking a little bit about how you engage with your patients we want to ask you some questions in that realm what sets your approach apart we know there are so many things about how you practice that are not normal in a good way. And so what sets your approach apart to patient care from other people? And what do you think patients would say your secret sauce is? I think, I think the level of detail I think is really important because we all are such complex beings. I do offer like a concert support, right? Like my clients have unlimited messaging access to me and I check my messages every day, like even on weekends, even on holidays, because when I was sick, I remember I was working with a, a functional medicine doctor and I loved her. But like I messaged her and she wouldn't get back to me like two weeks later. And I was like, well, I needed you two weeks ago. And it wasn't her fault, you know, she, and I, you know, I, you know, not holding that against her, but I just remember thinking like, oh my gosh, how amazing would it be to have someone I could just like, if I had a symptom come up, I could just message them. Or if I had a question, I could message them. I think that's kind of where I developed my kind of model of what I wanted to do. Given you provide such a high level of access to your patients and really that concierge level support, how do you navigate establishing boundaries and really taking care of yourself as well? I only check my messages once a day. When I first started, I was checking my messages several times a day and, you know, just wanting to be like the most amazing, you know, healthcare provider imaginable. But then I was like, okay, this is like too much. So then I just do it once a day and I do it every morning. So I have that in my flow of my daily life. I try to, <laughs> I think unfortunately, because I am on social media, I spend a lot of time on my phone. So I, I hate my phone. Like it's, it's my, I hate it. Like I'm staring at it right now. Um, but I think just having time my phone is really, really helpful because it's like, you go to check, oh, I need to go buy something from Amazon. So then I'll go on my Amazon app and I'll add something to my cart. And then I'll go on my email. Then I start answering messages and I go to my Instagram and they start answering DMs. And it just becomes this hour long process. So I try to move my phone away from me. I like that you speak to both what you do directly in terms of patient boundaries and also in terms of personal boundaries so that you can show up as your best self when, when you're working then. What are the three most important lifestyle changes that you recommend to patients or to people to improve their overall health or to minimize the chance of chronic illness? The most simple thing is like eating more fruits and vegetables. Ever since we were children, we've been told to eat more fruits and vegetables because they make us healthy and strong, right? And I think that still stands true to this day. I really do think like we've complicated health so much. Get down to the basics, like drink more water, eat more fruits and vegetables, go outside, get out into the sun, stop wearing so much sunscreen, like let the sun hit your face. Like that stuff is really, really important to me. And I think getting really back to nature, removing processed fruits from the diet, eating whole foods, that's probably the most important thing. And obviously if you are dealing with a chronic health symptom, you do need to be a little bit more aggressive on certain aspects. I think that's really important. I'm a big fan of vitamins. I know some people think like, oh, if you, you, if you eat a healthy diet, you can get enough nutrition through your food. But 
with our farming techniques, our, our foods are actually really deficient in certain nutrients. Like zinc is one of them. That's a huge one that we're all zinc deficient. So I, I do recommend that we seeing supplementation for anyone and everyone, to be quite honest. I think that's really important. I also like love B12, not just for vegans, but just for anyone. I think vitamin B12 comes from bacteria, from untampered with fruits and vegetables. So if you had a garden and you were growing your own tomato, that would be full of microorganisms that have enough B12. And B12 is really important for energy and our liver health and our nervous system and things like that. But because like everything is so pesticides and all the chemicals that we put on our food, we just, we're all lacking in B12. So I think B12 supplementation is really important. I think sleep is huge. I think, you know, our body repairs itself when we sleep, our body detoxes when we sleep, prioritizing that. I know people don't like this answer, but I think removing alcohol is huge. I mean, alcohol is literally a carcinogen. I don't think we shouldn't be normalizing alcohol consumption. So I think that's a huge one. But yeah, I think just very basic things that I think most healthcare providers would agree on. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. Eat fruits and veggies, eat whole foods, drink water, go outside, be in nature, supplement when necessary, and avoid things that are known to be toxic to the body. That's, yeah, very, very straightforward and makes sense. We want to wrap up each of our shows with the same two questions. One is about the healthcare system more broadly, and the other is a bit of a personal reflection question. In terms of the system more broadly, what changes would you like to see to the American healthcare system to really improve patient care? One is reducing patient loads, both inpatient and outpatient. I think because our providers, our nurses, our respiratory therapists, our pharmacists, every person on the healthcare team, I think we're doing too much with too little resources, right? And I think because of that, mistakes happen. And I think the quality of care goes down. So I think spending more quality time with patients is really, really important. I think just from a safety perspective is ratios, um, patient to provider, patient to nurse ratios are obscene. They're so unsafe. Medical errors are like one of the number one leading causes of death in this country. So yeah, I think that's a, that's a huge one for me. And of course, if you're going to be hiring more staff, then it's going to cost more money, which hospitals don't want to do. But that's just what I would really love to see change. That has benefits for the patients, of course, and for the providers and for the system, because you make something that is just more sustainable. So th that answer is, it's a great answer. What's some advice that you want everyone to hear or walk away with? I think the biggest thing is when it comes to conventional medicine, we don't have all the answers. You know, there's so many things in conventional medicine, where we just don't know the causes, right? We don't we have this theory, the autoimmune theory, that the body attacks itself. That has never been proven by science, but yet we have a list of 50 plus autoimmune diseases that we don't know the cause of why people get autoimmune, autoimmune disease and some don't. So I think there's a lot of people who are getting these diagnoses and just thinking like, oh, this is something I have to live with forever when in actuality you really don't. Um, and I think there are alternatives available to you. Your chronic illness does not have to be a life sentence. So yeah, that's what I'd like to leave with. <laughs> That's a great, that's a great statement. Your chronic illness doesn't have to be a life sentence and you're not out of options, even if it feels like the conventional system, you've exhausted that. So that's, that's really nice to hear. Before we close, is there anything that we haven't asked you about that you'd like to share? Hmm. You guys have asked very good questions. I don't, I don't think so. I think, yeah, I'm really happy that you guys were open to interviewing me because I do something a little bit different. I appreciate you guys being so open. And from 
a nurse practitioner perspective, I think we are such a valuable asset to the healthcare team. I think, you know, we come with a lot of experience, right? Like a lot of us have had several years of nursing under our belt. So we've, we've seen a lot of things and we've done a lot of things. And I think we can always do a lot more. Yeah, I'm really happy that you guys are like really encouraging nurse practitioners to kind of level up their practices and um, be more independent because, yeah, we are a very knowledgeable asset of the healthcare team. 100%. Could not have said it better ourselves. So thank you so much for your time. It was a joy to talk to you and just so grateful for your time and for your wisdom today. Thank you. Thank you, Max. Thank you, Danielle. Thank you. 